0: Torah was meant to be lived out in community and in the context of relationships. A very effective way to study the Bible is in a small group doing a midrash or discussion. This helps you to go deeper into the Word as you take time to reflect on it, make connections from one scripture to another, and apply the scriptures to your personal walk. We have added a new feature on the Daily Audio Torah website. If you are involved in a small group Bible study or would like to start one, we can help you. We have added discussion questions for you to use when your group gathers. We will post discussion questions for every Shabbat reading and they will be posted on the website a week in advance so you have time to read and prepare ahead of time. We have also posted guidelines for leaders and facilitators to help you grow your small group in a healthy way. Just go to the new pick on the menu, Discussion Questions, and you will find everything you need there to nurture and grow your small group. We also offer coaching support if you need help or have questions. See the Guidelines for Leaders PDF for details. Have fun learning and growing in God's Word together in your small group. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we begin a new Torah portion, Bahar, and it means on the mount, and also Bakukotai, and it means in my statutes. Leviticus twenty-five, one to thirty three. Hashem spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai. Speak to Benai Israel, and say to them, When you enter the land that I assign to you, the land shall observe a Shabbat of Hashem. Six years you may sow your field, and six years you may prune your vineyard and gather in the field. But on the seventh year the land shall have a Shabbat of complete rest, a Shabbat of Hashem. You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard. You shall not reap the aftergrowth of your harvest or gather the grapes of your untrimmed vines. It shall be a year of complete rest for the land. But you may eat whatever the land during its Shabbat will produce. You, your male and female slaves, the hired and bound laborers who live with you, and your cattle and the beasts in your land may eat all its yield. You shall count off seven weeks of years seven times seven years so that the period of seven weeks of years gives you a total of 49 years then you shall sound the shofar loud in the seventh month on the tenth day of the month the day of atonement you shall have the shofar sounded throughout your land and you shall hallow the fiftieth year you shall proclaim release throughout the land for all its inhabitants it shall be a jubilee for you Each of you shall return to his holding, and each of you shall return to his family. That fiftieth year shall be a jubilee for you. You shall not sow, neither shall you reap the aftergrowth, or harvest the untrimmed vines. For it is a jubilee. It shall be holy to you. You may only eat the growth direct from the field. In this year of jubilee, each of you shall return to his holding. When you sell property to your neighbor or buy any from your neighbor, you shall not wrong one another. In buying from your neighbor, you shall deduct only for the number of years since the Jubilee. And in selling to you, he shall charge you only for the remaining crop years. The more such years, the higher the price you pay. The fewer such years, the lower the price. For what he is selling you is a number of harvests. Do not wrong one another. But fear your God, for I am HaShem your God. You shall observe my laws and faithfully keep my rules, that you may live upon the land in security. The land shall yield its fruit, and you shall eat your fill, and you shall live upon it in security. And should you ask, What are we to eat in the seventh year, if we may neither sow nor gather in our crops, I will ordain my blessing for you in the sixth year, so that it shall yield a crop sufficient for three years. When you sow in the eighth year, you will still be eating old grain of that crop. You will be eating the old until the ninth year, until its crops come in. But the land must not be sold beyond reclaim, for the land is mine. You are but strangers resident with me. Throughout the land that you hold, you must provide for the redemption of the land. If your kinsman is in straits and has to sell part of his holding, his nearest redeemer shall come and redeem what his kinsman has sold. If a man has no one to redeem for him, but prospers and acquires enough to redeem with, he shall compute the years since its sale, refund the difference to the man to whom he sold it, and return to his holding. If he lacks sufficient means to recover it, what he sold shall remain with the purchaser until the jubilee. In the jubilee year it shall be released, and he shall return to his holding. If a man sells a dwelling house in a walled city, it may be redeemed until a year has elapsed since its sale. The redemption period shall be a year. If it is not redeemed before a full year has elapsed, The house in the walled city shall pass to the purchaser beyond reclaim through the ages. It shall not be released in the Jubilee. But houses in villages that have no encircling walls shall be classed as open country. They may be redeemed, and they shall be released through the Jubilee. As for the cities of the Leviim, the houses in the cities they hold, the Leviim shall forever have the right of redemption. Such property as may be redeemed from the Leviim, houses sold in a city they hold, shall be released through the Jubilee. For the houses in the cities of the Leviim are their holding among the Israelites. 1 Samuel 1, 1-2, 21 There was a man from Ramathim of the Zuphites in the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zulf, an Ephraimite. He had two wives, one named Hannah and the other Panina. Panina had children, but Hannah was childless. This man used to go up from his town every year to worship and to offer sacrifice to the Lord of Hosts at Shiloh. Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were Kohanim of Hashem there. One such day Elkanah offered a sacrifice. He used to give portions to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters, but to Hannah he would give one portion only, though Hannah was his favorite, for Hashem had closed her womb. Moreover, her rival to make her miserable, would taunt her that HaShem had closed her womb. This happened year after year. Every time she went up to the house of HaShem, the other would taunt her so that she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah said to her, "Hannah, why are you crying and why aren't you eating? Why are you so sad? Am I not more devoted to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk at Shiloh, Hana rose. The Kohen Eli was sitting on the seat near the doorpost of the temple of Hashem. In her wretchedness, she prayed to Hashem, weeping all the while. And she made this vow, Lord of hosts, if you look upon the suffering of your maidservant, and will remember me and not forget your maidservant, and if you will grant your maidservant a male child, I will dedicate him to Hashem for all the days of his life. No razor shall ever touch his head. As she kept on praying before Hashem, Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah was praying in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice could not be heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. Eli said to her, How long will you make a drunken spectacle of yourself? Sober up. And Hannah replied, Oh no, my lord, I am a very unhappy woman. I have drunk no wine or other strong drink but i have been pouring out my heart to hashem do not take your maid servant for a worthless woman i have only been speaking all this time of my great anguish and distress then go in peace said eli and may the god of israel grant you what you have asked of him she answered you are most kind to your handmaid so the woman left and she ate and was no longer downcast Early next morning, they bowed low before Hashem, and they went back home to Ramah. Elkanah knew his wife, Hannah, and Hashem remembered her. Hannah conceived, and at the turn of the year, bore a son. She named him Samuel, meaning, I asked Hashem for him. And when the man Elkanah and his household were going up to offer to Hashem the annual sacrifice, and his votive sacrifice, Hannah did not go up. She said to her husband, When the child is weaned, I will bring him. For when he has appeared before Hashem, he must remain there for good. Her husband Elkanah said to her, Do as you think best. Stay home until you have weaned him. May Hashem fulfill his word. So the woman stayed home and nursed her son until she weaned him. When she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with three bulls, one ephah of flour, and a jar of wine. And though the boy was still very young, she brought him to the house of Hashem at Shiloh. After slaughtering the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. She said, Please, my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you and prayed to Hashem. It was this boy I prayed for, and Hashem has granted me what I asked of him. I, in turn, hereby lend him to Hashem. For as long as he lives, he is lent to Hashem and they bowed low there before Hashem. And Hannah prayed, My heart exults in Hashem, I have triumphed through Hashem, I gloat over my enemies, I rejoice in your deliverance. There is no one holy like Hashem, truly there is none beside you. There is no rock like our God, talk no more like lofty pride. Let no arrogance cross your lips, for Hashem is an all-knowing Hashem. By Him actions are measured. The bows of the mighty are broken, and the faltering are girded with strength. Men once sated must hire out for bread. Men once hungry, hunger no more. While the barren woman bears seven, the mother of many is forlorn. Hashem deals death and gives life, casts down into Sheol, and raises up. HaShem makes poor and makes rich. He casts down. He also lifts high. He raises the poor from the dust, lifts up the needy from the dunghill, setting them with nobles, granting them seats with honor. For the pillars of the earth are HaShem's. He has set the world upon them. He guards the steps of his faithful. But the wicked perish in darkness. For not by strength shall man prevail. The foes of Hashem shall be shattered. He will thunder against them in the heavens. Hashem will judge the ends of the earth. He will give power to his king and triumph to his anointed one. Then Elkanah and Hannah went home to Ramah, and the boy entered the service of Hashem under the Kohen, Eli. Now Eli's sons were scoundrels. They paid no heed to Hashem. This is how the Kohanim used to deal with the people. When anyone brought a sacrifice, the Kohen's boy would come along with the three-pronged fork while the meat was boiling, and he would thrust it into the cauldron, or the kettle, or the great pot, or the small cooking pot. And whatever the fork brought up, the Kohan would take away on it. This was the practice at Shiloh with all the Israelites who came there. But now, even before the sway was turned into smoke, the Kohen's boy would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, Hand over some meat to roast for the Cohen, for he won't accept boiled meat from you, only raw. And if the man said to him, Let them first turn this way into smoke, and then take as much as you want, he would reply, No, hand it over at once, or I'll take it by force. The sin of the young men against Hashem was very great, for the men treated Hashem's offerings impiously. Samuel was engaged in the service of Hashem as an attendant girded with a linen ephod. His mother would also make a little robe for him and bring it up to him every year when she made the pilgrimage with her husband to offer the animal sacrifice. Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, May Hashem grant you offspring by this woman in place of the loan she made to Hashem. Then they would return home. For Hashem took note of Hannah. She conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Young Samuel, meanwhile, grew in the service of Hashem. John 5, 1-23 After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Yeshua went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool, and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an an infirmity thirty-eight years. When Yeshua saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that condition, he said to him, Will you be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled. Put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Yeshua said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day, it is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them, He that made me whole, the same said to me, Take up your bed, and walk. Then asked they of him, What man is that which said this to you? Take up your bed and walk. And he that was healed was not who it was, for Yeshua had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Afterward Yeshua find him in the temple, and said to him, Behold, you are made whole, sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Yeshua, which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Yeshua and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. But Yeshua answered them, My father works hitherto and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then answered Yeshua, and said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For what things soever he does, these also does the Son likewise. For the Father loves the Son, and shows him all things that himself he does. And he will show himself greater works than these, that you may marvel For as the Father raises up the dead and quickens them, even so the Son quickens whom he will. For the Father judges no man, but has committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He that honors not the Son honors not the Father which has sent him. Psalm 105, 37-45 He, the Lord, brought them, Israel, forth, also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Egypt was glad when they departed, for the fear of them fell upon them. He spread a cloud for a covering, and fire to give light in the night. The people asked, and he brought quails, and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock... And the waters gushed out, they ran in the dry places like a river. For he remembered his holy promise, and Abraham his servant. And he brought forth his people with joy, and his chosen with gladness, and gave them the lands of the heathen, and they inherited the labor of the people, that they might observe his statutes, and keep his laws. Praise ye the Lord. Proverbs fourteen twenty-eight and 29 In the multitude of people is the king's honor, but in the want of people is the destruction of the prince. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalts folly. I'd like to speak to you today from the book of 1 Samuel, and I'm going to share the introduction to the book from the Israel Bible, and it's a very good introduction to the book, so that's what I'm going to share. And what it says is this. Before the prophet Samuel became the judge of Israel, the nation was in dire straits. The previous book of Judges describes many instances of the children of Israel violating God's will by engaging in idolatry and immorality and then being punished with subjugation to other nations. Though there were great heroes in times of triumph during the period of the Judges, much of it was bleak. The nation of Israel often failed to live up to the challenge of living as a holy and free people in its land. As the Bible transitions into Samuel, we learn that even the Mishkan at Shiloh is not free of transgressions. The sons of Eli, the Kohen Gadol, high priest, are sinning, thereby discouraging the people from making pilgrimages to this holy place. It is against this backdrop that Samuel is born to Elkanah. And Hannah. While still barren, Hannah prays for a child at Shiloh and vows that if her request is granted, her son will be totally sanctified to Hashem. The miraculous child fulfills her vow. Samuel grows up under Eli's tutelage in Shiloh and later replaces him as Israel's primary leader. As a prophet and a leader, Samuel faces a daunting task. As Rabbi Shlomo Aviner notes in his book, Heroes of the Tanakh, the prophet Samuel purified the people of Israel, but he also dealt with the nation's national and military sides, not only the spiritual. Thus, in this book, we learn of his struggles against the Philistines, the primary enemy of the children of Israel at this time, and of his strengthening the Israelite service of God. We also learn of his anointing Saul as the first king of Israel. When Saul fails to fulfill the command to completely eradicate Amalek, it is Samuel who tells him that he has lost the kingdom and who anoints his successor, David. Unlike Saul, David will not rule in accordance with the people's initial request for a king, like all the other nations who lead the nation by simply maintaining order and commanding the military. Rather, he will be a king who will combine his extraordinary spiritual and physical gifts to lead the nation to new heights in its service of Hashem and its strengthening of the land of Israel. Young David's miraculous defeat of the giant Philistine Goliath foreshadows his later achievements as king. While his victory is undoubtedly a military achievement, it is also spiritual. David faces an enemy who fights not only against the people of Israel, but also against God himself. David recognizes this and acts to save his people, returning honor to them and to Hashem. King David is the epitome of the bright and shining monarch of Israel. He represents both physical and spiritual strength. He is a great military figure who vanquishes the enemies of Israel. As king, he rules first in Hebron, unites the entire nation of Israel, and then succeeds in conquering the holy city of Jerusalem. He is responsible for bringing the holy ark to Jerusalem and acquiring the future site of the holy temple. He is also known as Naim Zimrot Yisrael, often translated as the sweet singer of Israel, who writes songs of praise to Hashem, including most of the book of Tehillim or Psalms, and is proud to dance before God's holy ark. He is an example of a true master of repentance, one who takes responsibility for his sins and atones for them with a broken heart. By the time King David passes the reign over the kingdom of Israel to his son Solomon, as described in the beginning of Sefer Melachim, he has established and stabilized the kingdom, and its people live as a vibrant, free, and holy nation in the entire land of Israel. They are united both physically and spiritually, and are on the cusp of achieving their greatest triumph, the building of the Beit HaMikdash, or temple in jerusalem in addition they are finally at peace with their enemies it is not surprising that the dynasty of david is eternal nor is it surprising that jewish tradition teaches that the future king mashiach who will once again unite the children of israel and eretz israel in peace will be one of david's descendants may our study of first samuel hasten the mashiach's arrival speedily and in our di- our days. And I would add that we know who that Mashiach is. He is Yeshua HaMashiach, and he will be coming again a second time, and he will unite the northern kingdom with the southern kingdom. And we will be one people with one shepherd, one king, one Torah, one nation, living in the land of Israel. And he will... Will finish his mission that he started to seek out and gather in the lost sheep of the house of Israel and unite the house of Israel, the northern kingdom, to the southern kingdom, the house of Judah. He will do it. There will be a remnant of believers from both the northern and the southern kingdom, and those remnant believers will unite as one. God will lift the veil. From the minds of both Northern Kingdom and Southern Kingdom, and he will show himself for who he is. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. Ya Ehe Adonai, na vilakha vikunneka, Isa. The ironic blessing from Numbers chapter six, twenty-four to twenty-six. Adonai bless you and keep you.